It is Christmas. That's when we sing joy to the world. And isn't it true that at Christmas, uh, we hope and we expect that it will be a joyful season, especially for children. That's why we shower them with gifts and we do the wonderful things at parties and all of that. So especially children have joyful and happy Christmases. And isn't it true, even as we as grandparents and parents, that the best Christmases are the ones where there is the happiness and joy that comes from being with family, and especially seeing the, the smile and excitement in children. So joy to the world goes perfectly well with Christmas. And this morning I want to talk about joy. What are the things that bring you joy? I'm sure it's the same thing that brings everybody joy. For example, when you have been going through a difficult time in life, and you've been struggling and hurting, and then that hurting, that struggle is over, there's joy. And you celebrate that there was a time of darkness, but now there's light. And you have the feeling of joy. Anything that brings pleasure in life brings joy. For me, it could be something as simple as chocolate cake. And, and having that will bring me joy. But isn't it true the things that bring pleasure in life bring joy? It can also be accomplishing something. And it doesn't have to be accomplishing something big like graduating and earning a degree, but isn't it true, those of you who have graduated from whatever, even if it's been preschool, isn't it a joyful time? And everyone is excited and there's smiles. There's been an accomplishment, an achievement. It can be smaller things. Uh, this weekend, we spent the whole time raking leaves and decorating the house. And so, uh, but when it was done, a sense of accomplishment brings joy. And doesn't that happen sometimes, especially at the end of a day where the whole day has seemed to go right? And so as you're sitting on the back porch watching the sunset, you have this sense that everything is right with the world. Contentment. And that brings joy. Even the good news of something that will bring joy gives us joy. Okay? So we don't even have to experience what we are being told is good news, but just hearing that brings joy. If I said to you this morning that the pandemic has been declared over and now we're going back to everything that we were doing before and it starts today, if that was true, you'd be shouting for joy. Even though we hadn't done anything yet, just the news of it happening brings joy. But it's also true that the opposite of those things brings sorrow and sadness. I mean, think about it. The, the opposite of pleasure is pain. Doesn't that bring sorrow? And the bad news that you hear, even if you hear it, and it's not even happening to you, but you hear bad news, that brings sadness and hurt. If you uh, fail rather than achieve, if there is discontent rather than contentment, if you are in the midst of struggle and it hasn't ended, that is when there is sorrow and sadness. And so these two emotions, sadness and joy, are, are opposites that we experience in life, sometimes throughout the day, certainly throughout a lifetime. And we're very familiar with them. But what we want to hear and know this morning is that joy can be found even in times when there is struggle and disappointment. And so I want to look at Two women from the Christmas story this morning to learn that lesson. 
I want to say this about joy and happiness first. Uh, Sometimes we try to make an academic distinction between the two words, joy and happiness. I've heard it said sometimes that happiness is uh, what happens when a happy circumstance happens to you. That's a lot of happy in that. But anyway, and then the joy is more deep and that's with you even in difficult times. But to be honest with you, maybe you can make that distinction if you're trying to write a, a paper. But I've lived long enough to know, and probably you, joy, happiness, it's all the same to me. I know what it feels like, and when it happens, it's the same. Uh, The Bible doesn't really make a distinction between joy and happiness. And so when I'm talking about this emotion, I'm talking about the same thing. That feeling of joy, happiness, you know what it feels like. You've had it. All of us have. That emotion can be more than an emotion. And that's what we learn this morning. So let's talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. We were introduced to them first in Luke's gospel as he begins the Christmas story months before Jesus' birth. Zechariah was a priest. His wife Elizabeth also from a priestly family. And at the time Luke was writing the story here in Luke chapter 1, the story Zechariah is serving in the temple as a priest. It was his turn. It was not something he did every day, every day of his life, because there were so many priests in that time, they would take turns. But it was his turn to go into the temple and to perform the acts that he needed to as required as a priest on behalf of the people in the temple. That's what he was doing when we find him in Luke chapter 1. But Zechariah and Elizabeth also are described as righteous people, blameless according to the law, In other words, they weren't perfect, but they knew what God's law was and they obeyed it. When they didn't obey it, when they disobeyed it, they confessed and they repented and they offered the sacrifice that was necessary. And that's why they're called blameless. But also Elizabeth could not have any children. So you can imagine, especially if you as a couple have ever struggled with this, how Much of a burden this was, and not just one that was for a short time and then went away, but a struggle and a burden for decades, a longing for a child. Maybe there were even tragedies within this story that we don't know about, of of pregnancies that ended, of miscarriages that happened at a certain time, and maybe multiple times. We don't know all the details, but in a society that saw children as a sign of blessing from God and childlessness is a sign of cursing from God, you can understand also that society looked at them maybe with a bit of suspicion, even though they were righteous and blameless in God's sight. And what is worse when we find them in this story is now they are old and past childbearing age. So now it's impossible for them to have children. And the longing they had for years has now ended in a sentence, so to speak, of no children for Zechariah and Elizabeth. So we find them, as we are often in life, disappointed, discouraged, saddened, and hurt. But then comes joy. Didn't I say earlier when that season is over? And now there is good news. 
Now the situation has changed, that joy comes, and that's what happens to them. Because the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah when he's there in the temple and says to him, you are going to have a son. This is what he said. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. You hear all the joy in that uh, verse? John, you're going to have, excuse me, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a a boy. His name's going to be John. Can, Can you imagine, not just beyond the weirdness of seeing the angel, okay, beyond that, the word from the angel the disappointment, the discouragement, the, the sorrow, the pain, it's over. Zechariah, you're going to have a baby. There's rejoicing. There's joy now. Zechariah, to him, the news was too good to be true. And so he didn't believe it. And so because of that, the angel told him, well, you are not going to be able to speak until your child is born. So obviously through Hand motions through writing. It's probably the most obvious way to get his communicate to others or through his lips without any words. He shared this news with the people who were waiting for him outside the temple. He shared this with his wife, obviously. And it happened. A child, John, was born to them. This reminds me of Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. Joy came to Zechariah and Elizabeth after years of discouragement. And it's true in our life that often there will be seasons where there is struggle and discouragement. It's like a dark night. But the good news is after that time, there will be a morning of joy. And so for us, sometimes... We need endurance to make it through to that morning when joy comes. But I know the reality is that for some people, what they are suffering with or from is not going to go away. And so we find also in Scripture that we can have joy even if there's not going to be the end to the night until we are with the Lord and the struggle for everything has ended. And the glorious morning has come when we are with the Lord face to face. Let's talk about another woman in the Christmas story you're very familiar with, Mary. I know you have imagined this, especially you ladies. And so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But you've heard it preached many times about how difficult this was for Mary to hear from Gabriel the angel a similar message. Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she says, wait a minute, I'm a virgin. How can I have a baby? Well, just as Elizabeth was able to because of the power of God, so was Mary able to have a baby because of the power, the miraculous power of God. But you know that Joseph, her fiancé, her parents, her community, if she showed up and said, guess what? The angel Gabriel said, I'm going to have a baby they would start to ask questions. Oh, don't worry. God is giving me the baby. 
Okay, Mary, we, we under, uh, you know, you can understand how they wouldn't understand and how there would be rumors and how there would be questions. In fact, an angel had to come to Joseph to tell him, Joseph, she is telling you the truth. This is what is going to happen. And so through Joseph being told by the angel, through Mary being told by the angel, they got the news, but the community, the others, would have been very, very skeptical. So in Luke 1, we see that Elizabeth, who is having a miraculous child, and Mary, who is having a miraculous child, meet. They are relatives, and so they meet. Mary goes to see Elizabeth. And when I read the verses here, you will see how relieved Mary must have been to know that her relative Elizabeth didn't need an explanation. She was able to meet her and be with her without having to explain, without having to give reasons why she is pregnant and having a baby. And so we find in Luke 1 where Luke writes, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How can this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. You see, these two women with miracle babies meet. John, still in the womb of his mother Elizabeth, recognizes the Son of God. Jesus, the Messiah, still in the womb of his mother Mary, and he is filled with joy and leaps in the womb. And Elizabeth, knowing this, knows by the Holy Spirit telling her the reason why he's filled with joy. And then she's filled with joy. And then they have a joyful meeting. And Elizabeth is so excited that she is able to be with Mary at this time. Now Elizabeth, six months pregnant, Mary not as far along, but both of these women, these relatives, but these women connected by miraculous births are filled with joy. Elizabeth's joy came from an end of a long, dark winter of discouragement. Mary's joy comes from knowing the purpose that she is fulfilling in God's plan. And knowing that he is being merciful to her and merciful to the Israelites and to the whole world. And that she, in a sense, is achieving something. She is part of a plan. And for that, she has joy. And we read in Luke what she says as she realizes with a joyful heart who God is and what he has done for her. Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm." He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham 
and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary praises God for what God has done in her life, she the servant of the Lord, for what he is doing for the nation of Israel, for bringing the Messiah, and for what will happen to the whole world because the Lord is here. Joy to the world, the Messiah has come. So two women in the Christmas story, joy because a dark night of discouragement's over, joy because a purpose and a plan is being fulfilled through her, joy to the world. These two ladies are very happy, very joyful in their Christmas story, so to speak. But what about you? Where is joy in your life? If it's not there, how can you have it? That's what I want to share with you next. And the first thing I'm going to tell you may seem kind of obvious, but maybe it's overlooked because it's so obvious. If you want more joy in your life, enjoy the things that bring joy. That should be a no-brainer, shouldn't it? But it's amazing to me how many people fill their lives with things that bring discouragement. If you fill your life with bad news and with discouraging people and you fill your life with uh, things that are filled with a failure and pain and sorrow, no wonder there's no joy. If you fill your life with those things I mentioned earlier that bring joy, pleasure and achievement and contentment, you'll have more joy. Now, some of you might think, why would Christians want to pursue Joy and happiness in the sense of pursuing pleasure or pursuing contentment or pursuing achievement. Well, those are gifts that God has given us. The world we live in is difficult. God knows that. The world we live in is filled with discouragement. God knows that. So he has given us gifts that bring joy that if we use the gifts properly will give us joy in a painful world. Uh, Solomon recognized that. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, So I commend an enjoyment because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, and enjoy himself. For this will accompany him in his labor during the days of his life that God gives him under the sun. Solomon made this observation. If you read the verse right before this, when he looked at life and he saw that life wasn't fair. You don't have to be rich or a king to realize that, do you? I, I think five-year-olds learn that, that life isn't fair. But Solomon is saying, because life's not fair, enjoy what there is in life. In other words, if you're looking for life to become perfect before you enjoy it, good luck, you're never going to enjoy it. So in the midst of the unfairness, in the midst of the troubles, in the midst of all the mess, Find things that bring joy. He mentions eating and drinking and enjoying yourself. Those are gifts from God. But the problem comes when we misuse them. And I want to highlight the rich fool to illustrate this. If you remember Jesus' parable, he talks about a man who became wealthy. And he had uh, barns filled with the harvest that had come in. And he said to himself that he was going to tear down those barns and build bigger barns because he needed more barns to, to store everything that he had. 
And he said, I will do this. And then basically he said, oh, they didn't use these words back then. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to retire and I will be happy. And you know what? That man died happy. He did. Because he had achieved everything he wanted in life. He achieved all the wealth that he wanted. He achieved contentment. He died a happy man. But Jesus called him a fool. The reason he was a fool was because he had made those things the goal of his life. The parable is preceded by these words that Jesus told this parable to show people that life is not about what you accumulate. See, it wasn't wrong that he lived a life in which there was pleasure or which there was achievement or which there was enjoyment or contentment. What was wrong is that he had made them the goal of his life. And that, and Jesus says in the parable, you fool, tonight soul will be required of you. In the parable, God took his life, his life ended. He died a happy man. But the implication is he also died a man who went to hell because his focus of his life was in the wrong place. And that's where the gifts get misused. So don't throw the gifts away because people misuse them. We misuse pleasure when we seek pleasure in sin, when we make pleasure the goal of our life, or where we avoid all pain and discomfort because all we want is pleasure. That's when we misuse the gift. Uh, misusing the gift of achievement, uh, achieving and having purpose in life is a good thing. But when it becomes the sole goal of our life, we misuse it. Contentment is a good thing. But when we use it to be self, uh, self-centered, you know, my life's good. I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> or we achieve some contentment and we say, well, I can just sit back and enjoy it now. I don't have to do anything else. Complacency or self-centeredness is misusing that gift of contentment. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You notice the godliness with contentment. The contentment by itself is not the goal of life. It's godliness with contentment. And so... Uh, isn't it true that sometimes we as parents will say, uh, you know, all I want for my children is for them to be happy. And I know the sentiment behind that. And the idea is, you know, I don't care you know, what my children grow up to be. I don't care where they live. Uh, in some way, I don't care uh, who they marry, how many kids they have. You know, I don't, I, those details are not as important as that my child is happy. And you might even say that about your own life. You know, the details of your life may be messy or up and down, but as long as there's happiness and contentment, that's okay. But what we should say, especially of our children, is uh, what I want for them is godliness, not happiness. You, know, you should say, you know, my child's life may have ups and downs and there may be different careers and different uh, mates and maybe children, not children. I, I don't care about all those details as long as they are godly. Should be what we say. Because the goal of life is godliness or Christ-likeness, not happiness. 
With that warning, remember what the first thing I said was to enjoy things in life that bring joy. So I encourage you to do that. I mean, every day, maybe have some simple things. Maybe chocolate cake will do it for you. Have a piece of chocolate cake every day if your doctor says it's okay. And have that, and that brings you joy. Surround yourself with people who bring you joy. Have things that you can accomplish that bring you joy. So enjoy the gifts of joy of life. That is a way for us to have joy. But also choose joy. That may sound strange because joy is an emotion. You can't choose to be happy. You can't choose to be angry. You can't choose emotion because emotion comes as a reaction to what happens in our life. So if you came to me and said, you know, Pastor, I'm struggling with this. This is a burden in my life. It's weighing me down. I'm filled with sorrow and sadness. And, and I said to you, don't worry, be happy. Just choose to be happy. Just choose joy. I probably should duck because I should expect a fist to be coming at my face. So listen, I'm not saying choose joy in the sense, oh, just ignore everything that's happening to you. That's no big deal. Just put a, turn that frown upside down. You know, just put a smile on your face and everything will be okay. That's not what I'm saying. That's stupid advice. I wouldn't give that advice to anybody. It's not don't worry, be happy and just forget your troubles and try to be happy and choose to be happy and smile in spite of it. You know, there was a song, I think, back in the 80s that said, don't worry, be happy. That's one of Sarah's songs that she hates the most. And so I won't even hum it for you this morning. It even has a whistling part in it too, doesn't it? If you remember the song. But I won't do that <laughs> for you this morning. But in a sense, it is kind of lousy advice. If you know the song at all, it talks about all these problems in life and the chorus is, don't worry, be happy. Bad advice. But what I mean by choose joy is this. There are things that you can choose in life. And when you choose them, it produces joy. Because joy, again, is an emotion that comes from what happens in your life. So think about this. As Paul tells us, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And Paul says again, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks and everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul says rejoice sometimes, rejoice when things are going great. No, he says rejoice always. But he also says pray constantly. He says be thankful in everything. So this is what I want you to hear. You can choose to pray, right? You can choose to be thankful. You can. That's a choice that you make. You can choose to see your life with the eyes of faith. In other words, you can look at your life and know that God has promised to always be with you and he has promised that he will work out everything for your good, for his glory. So you can see with the eyes of faith. That's a choice that you make. You can choose hope. You can choose to trust that God is with you and that God has made promises to you so you can have hope. It's a choice. So if you choose to pray, if you choose to give thanks, if you choose 
to have hope, if you choose to see with the eyes of faith, you will have joy. That's my point, because people in life will look at their life and they will do the exact opposite. They will complain rather than give thanks. They will look at their life and they will ignore God completely. They won't try to pray, they'll try to fix it themselves. They won't look with the eyes of uh, faith. They won't have hope because they feel like they're hopeless and that faith is silly. And so if you have a life in which you are struggling and you complain about it and you leave God out of it and you only focus on what's happening to you, yes, you're going to be miserable. There's not going to be joy there. But the same thing could happen to you and you could choose hope and choose thankfulness and choose faith and you will find joy. This is what I also want you to see here. The reason you have joy in those times is because you are close to God. Remember what the angel said, where joy comes from. We sing joy to the world, but it's this. Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. What is joyful? The news that Jesus is here. Also, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I want to read this verse for you. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says in John 15, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So this is what Jesus says, Paul says, if we are close to God, He is the source of joy. If we are close to God, And as the fruit of the Spirit is what is produced that's in us. If we are close to God, God the Holy Spirit's living in us and filling us. The result of that is joy. God is joy. He is the joy giver. If you're close to God, there is going to be joy. In our life, we can run from God and be far from God. And that can be joyless. But when we are close to Him, there is joy. And these verses that Jesus tells His disciples and us... Immediately before these verses, he talks about remaining in him and abiding in him. That he is the vine and we are the branches. And he says to us to abide in him, remain in him, I don't, be close to him. And he says you will have fruit. He also says here in these verses I read to you to abide in him, to abide in his love. Notice how he says to do that. He says to obey his commands. What Jesus is saying, if you want joy, yes, you can choose things that bring you joy. You can choose to look at things in a biblical perspective. But really, joy is going to come from God himself. If we are close to God, abiding in him, we are obeying him. That's how we abide in him there will be joy. And notice what Jesus says, joy, his joy in us, and it's complete. 
You know, not a partial joy, not a little bit of joy, but joy that's complete. And that, brothers and sisters, is what can be in our lives each and every day. Because when it's God and it comes from him, he never changes. Our circumstances change, but God doesn't change. The joy that's complete and the joy that's full and the joy that's in us comes from being close to him. You can have that joy today, no matter what you are going through. Let's go to him in prayer. Jesus, we have heard your word. And I pray especially for my brothers and sisters who are going through times right now that aren't joyful. And Lord, I pray that today you would be with them and they would remain close to you so that they would experience that joy. Lord, I've shared a lot, but Holy Spirit, I know that you have spoken to our hearts. And my prayer right now is what you have said, we would listen and we would obey. Lord, we come now to respond. And we do so as I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Stand with me, please. We're going to close by singing, but it's also a time to respond to the Lord. I'll meet you at the door right now if you want to pray about something, if you have a commitment you want to make sure to the Lord. And then, uh, as I said, as we're singing, this is not just singing, to close the service, it's saying yes to God. Let's sing and respond.